Is it possible to live a longer quality life after a heart disease diagnosis? We are the patients who have resolved to become healthier, both physically and mentally. From managing symptoms to managing side effects, from managing medication to managing finances. We share the challenges and the triumphs. Discover what it really means to survive and thrive with a heart condition. This is Living with Heart Disease, a Heart of a Giant production. Here is our host, Samane Uba. Uh, today's a special day. I'm here today with Olivia Rose. <laughs> there you go. And but Olivia Rose, that's how we know her publicly. Um, it's a great honor to have you on this podcast. And like you are definitely one of my inspirations, um, uh, especially because I've been you know, connected a long time ago and been following your story from a distance. So I'm glad to be in touch with you today to get to know you a bit more and introduce you to the larger community and how you've been dealing with heart disease and so on and so forth. So welcome to Living With Heart Disease, um, where, you know, people like yourself um, and patients and caregivers and sometimes medical professionals come and kind of tell us what it is like to live with heart disease. So today, to get us started, um, we'd like to welcome you and uh, allow you to introduce yourself. Thank you for having me, of course. Um, I'm a two-time show survivor, um, a heart transplant recipient, and a former LVAT patient that has heart disease. Amazing. That's like so much in one story, right? Like, that's, how can you <laughs> yeah. have all of that? So to the extent that we can do that, I'll, you know, we'll try to dissect it a little bit. But um, yeah, take us back to when this whole journey started. Like, Okay, so... I was a bodybuilder, a natural bodybuilder back when this happened. So, and I've always been an athlete. Um, so I've been born. I've been playing um, volleyball, t-ball, basketball, tennis, soccer, track, everything, and five football even. And so I was at a competition in Pittsburgh and um, I started feeling nauseous backstage and I slowly started falling to the floor and I was actually having a stroke at that time and I didn't know. The paramedics came to me and they said I was having a mini stroke and that I want to go to the hospital. I said yes, of course, that I couldn't talk. My left hand, my left left side wasn't working at all. And so I took me to the hospital and the doctor gave me the TPA medication. And from there, um, they diagnosed me they diagnosed me with dilated cardiomyopathy. Wow. So that was I was twenty five when they di- they diagnosed me. Which year was that? That was two thousand fourteen. Wow. They told me to stop working out for for um, I think a few months, and um, I think that was that was it. They were gonna, they were going to test again in December. So this happened in, in August. So they waited from August to December to do the test. So they did the echocardiogram. Oh, so before they did the test, my ejection fraction was ten to fifteen percent. Yeah, it was it was really low. So they had to do um, the medications. Okay. So then after the December, they did the echocardiogram. And it was still, it was, it was still what, 20, it went up to 25%, but still isn't really that, that great. So I had to get a defibrillator, SICD. Mine was on the, the, um, on the side instead of right here. Yeah. Four years later, I was having trouble breathing, like laying down and breathing. And I was getting winded every time I, was, I would walk somewhere. So I went to the doctor and told them, I was like, oh, I can't breathe. I can't do all these different things. And they're like, okay, let me be an inhaler. Because they thought inhaler would work. So they did that, and then they didn't do anything. 
So they just let you go home? Yeah. My primary care doctor is the one that was, was um, dealing with me. Okay. And he was telling my, my, um, my cardiologist that things weren't going right with me. And the cardiologist wasn't listening. He was just saying, oh, no, it's fine. Oh, you know, oh, you're just making things up. Oh. Because you don't look like you're sick. It, exactly. I don't look. <laughs> that's the sad part. <laughs> I got a job at the Pentagon. December, December 3rd, I went in and I couldn't, I was throwing up everywhere and I couldn't, I was just, I was just winded. I was tired and I felt, literally, I felt sick. So before that, um, Thanksgiving came and I couldn't eat anything because I couldn't keep any food down at all. I couldn't keep my meds down or anything like that. I went to the urgent care and they told me I was dehydrated. Yeah. So I needed to get fluids. I had to use, I had to use the bathroom and they were taking forever to come to me. So I just got up and went to use the bathroom myself and I fell, fell out in the bathroom. I guess. I was having another stroke. That was the second stroke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So then I, they did a thrombectomy. The um, procedure where they go in your brain and take out the clot, and my right side was affected that time. So right now, my right hand still shakes. My right side, my right hand still shakes. Yeah, my legs were wobbly sometimes, and I had speech problems. But my speech right now is so great compared to what it was before. I can't even tell you. It's so it was so bad. So I had to go to um, inpatient rehab. They did speech therapy, occupational therapy, and physical therapy. In the, um, in the rehab. Then I came home for three days and I wasn't feeling better. So my parents brought me back to the hospital. So when I got back to the hospital, they couldn't find out what was wrong with me. So somebody said they wanted to come in and, and do a um, and do a um, right heart cath. Mm-hmm. Did the right heart cath. And they found out I was an advanced heart failure. So I spent New Year's and Christmas in the hospital. They took me down to the IC, the cardiac ICU and they gave me the Melvernome. Yeah. You know what that is? The, the magic, the magic juice. So called, so called magic, but it wasn't working for me. So they started talking about an LVAD. <laughs> and I was like, huh? Wow. The LVAD? I said, George has an LVAD. Because <laughs> at that time, he already had, he already had the LVAD. You had known about the LVAD already. Right. So then they were going to do the LVAD. So the, night, the day before they were going to do the LVAD surgery, I actually went into cardiogenic shock. So they went to my parents and told them, that's a return for the worst. So I really thought I was dead at that point. That I could have been dead at that point. Yeah. But I wasn't. Wow. And thank God I pulled through surgery. Um, I woke up the next, I don't know if it was the next day, but I woke up and I was in so much pain. It was so painful. I couldn't swallow anything. I couldn't drink anything. I couldn't eat anything. So that was MPO for the time from for like two weeks. So no food, no drink, no nothing for two weeks. That's... So by the time I left the hospital, I was a I lost thirty pounds. Yeah, and it's not like you had excess, right? Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> then I wasn't walking. I wasn't walking the whole time until about a week before I was leaving. I was actually finally starting to walk. And but because I wasn't having any food, my hair started falling out. So I had a picture of a comb with all my hair in it. So I lost weight. I didn't have any hair. My hair was falling out. And I was on medications, and I had the LVAD. Who wants LVAD? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, not saying that who wants it, but I feel like it's a lifesaver. Yeah, it's a lifesaver, but it's still not. It's still a nuisance, right? It's still. <laughs> yeah, but it's 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 still. I was thirty years old when I got the LVAD, so I was like, my life is over. Yeah. I think I wasn't be able to do anything, but I did. I lost my confidence too. So then I went to um cardiac, cardiac rehab 
Um, I had to go to that. I had to go to that for what six weeks, six or eight weeks, and I finally started accepting the LVAD and accepting the fact that it's here to save my life, yeah. and I'm still here, and I'm still grateful for my life. So then, that was that. So then, my heart transplant story. So I got on the heart transplant list, got the LVAD January 2020, no, 2019, December of 2019. I got on the transplant list. What? So I was on the list for 42 days. Why? What took so long to get you on the list? Because I, I, I had a stroke before. So I had to actually bring myself back up to strength, to get my strength back and do all the different stuff before I could actually start doing the list. That's why I had to do cardiac, cardiac rehab. Yeah. That's why. So December 16th, I got the no, I got the letter saying I was on the list and I was on um I was level what was that level category four. Yeah. The surgeon had talked to us and told us that I was gonna be on the list for two for two, two, two to three years. So we weren't expecting any to have any anybody call or anything like that. Um so forty two days later I got the call. Wow. wow. <laughs> I was like, huh? Must be a mistake. Yeah, I was like, huh? First of all, it was it was a sat was it a Saturday, was it? I think it was a Saturday. No, no, it was on a, it was on a Friday. Yeah. Well, my mom and I were at the grocery store when, they, when she called, and I was like, "Hello." She said, "Yeah, we have a heart for you." I was like, "Huh? Hmm? For Olivia?" <laughs> right. Because they told me it was going to take two to three years. So I wasn't expecting anything. Yeah. I was. I wasn't waiting for a heart. I was just sitting here, the mind of business, doing whatever. And they called me, so I was so in shock. I was shaking. My hands were shaking. Everything was shaking. My mom was at the um was at the counter buying something. And the lady was like, what? What's wrong? I said, they have a heart for me. They have a heart for me. For me. <laughs> she said, are you, are you sure? I said, yeah, for, for me. Yes, that's what she said. So we had to run back home, leave the grocery store, run back home, get all my stuff, yeah. and then drive straight to the hospital. How far do you leave from the hospital? It's an hour away. Well, not, it's like 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah, it's in Baltimore. So I got to the hospital. And I was signing in. I was just waiting for somebody to say, oh, no, not, not, not you. No, no, we made, made a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> so I just thought the whole time that this is so crazy. This is Olivia. Okay, we've, we've been waiting for you. <laughs> uh huh? For me? Okay, this can't be real. Really, yeah. So then, yeah, I was I was still in shock. My cousins were calling me in, on the phone. I wasn't answering. I was, I was just like, I don't know what's going on here. Um, <laughs> I'm confused. It's such a pleasant surprise. Yeah, it was. Um. So I got there and they did my blood. They did all the different tests that they do before they, they take you down. So I got there at like two and I wasn't taken down to the surgery room until, um, until after, I think, 11. And then they took me down. But they tell you they, they're going to open you up. But if the heart doesn't look as good as what they thought on the on the picture, then it's a no-go. So I was like, okay, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so I was going, I was like, yeah, it's fine. They're going to take me down, open me up, and I realized, oh, it's not a good heart, and then I'll go back. So I woke up on the, the net, well, probably the next, my parents said I was up the next day, which is the Super Bowl, and they said I was up, and they, I told them to turn the music down or turn it off. Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember that. But I woke up, officially, officially, officially woke up on the Monday, the Monday after I had the surgery. I was like, oh, I mean, I'm here, I'm awake. I was like, oh, I guess I'm... <laughs> I was feeling around for the bag. I was like, is the bag still here? Is my drive line still here? I was like, no, it's gone. I have a heart. I have a heart. <laughs> how did you feel like having a new heart beating? Like how 
and it's probably a good heart. So how how does how how was that the first time you felt? I'm sure you try, I don't know you tried to feel it or something. How was that for you? Yeah, I was so shocked. I was like, "What? I have a heart? It's a heart in me? Like it's actually it's actually it feels surreal. Really, it really does feel surreal. I was I was just so grateful. Yeah, grateful the whole time. Was anyone in the room when you woke up? Um, I don't remember exactly when I woke up. Probably a nurse. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I think my, my, my dad. No, my dad. My dad was there. So this was what around January twenty twenty or something. No, February, February. twenty twenty. Okay, yeah. So you did say forty two days, February. So that was, um, but that was just before COVID. Yeah, right before. Because when we got home, the team told me I could go out to um, go out and enjoy myself. And after that day, they were not. You're not going to store. Yeah. They said no stores, no crowded gatherings, no nothing. So my mom had me in the house all the time, the whole time. Did she have to 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 hold you in there, or you like were you trying to come, go out, or you were just you you were compliant? No, I was. I was just. I was. Trying, I mean, it was cold outside, so I wasn't trying to do anything anywhere. <laughs> but um, I was able, I was able to go outside, go to go to the parks. Um, she would walk me around the neighborhood. The first time I walked from my house to the next house, our next door neighbor's house, and walked back. Then the next day, I walked from my house to the next house after the neighbor's house, yeah. and then so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah. So you built yourself back uh, slowly. But mm-hmm. how did your, and we're going to come back to the beginning too, but I wanted to check this part. How did the fact that you were active before, you know, like an elite athlete, right? So doing all this great stuff. How did that help you in your recovery process? And, and in the sense that you were, it sounded like you were patient in the process and you were safe and you kind of knew what to do in a way. Um, but how, how much did that play in that, in that, um, in your recovery and in your rebuild process? Um, I would say that I'm always hard on myself. I'm always trying to drive to be the best that I could possibly be. So I'm a perfectionist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm very competitive. Yeah. I'm competitive. So I think that's really actually what really did it for me. I mean, there's different type of competitive, right? Like you, most people might be competing against other people and stuff, or maybe part of a team, or even a, 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 you know, when you sprint or something, you're running against other people. But in this case, it's just you and you and your new heart. So, how do you manage that spirit? You know, that competitiveness in, inside you, and, and and then how do you keep it safe? Because you can, of course, overdo it, right? So, how do you make sure it's not too much? You're not being too much for your support system too, because I can see your parents and people who worried about you overdoing it or something. Right. Um, I think I'm actually more determined. I meant to use the word determined. Determined more than anything. Yeah. I feel like I have a determination determination in me, within me. Yeah. So I feel like that plays a plays a role. Um, my mom. I live with my mom right now, so my mom is really extra. She's really she's being overly cautious. She's being a mom, and it's fine. It's okay. It's okay. That's their job. But I'm, but I'm 33. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not 23 or 13. Yeah. But yeah, I really feel people think that I'm doing too much when I go to the gym yeah. and post, video, post these videos. Yeah. Like, oh, you're doing too much. I'll slow down. Oh. I mean, they, they care. And of course, they don't know what, what's going on, but they just care, I guess. It's the way of saying yeah. they care. Um, that's so special. I mean, it's, it's, your journey is amazing because the I remember I think I was uh, we got in touch around 
must be early 2000, sorry, 2019, maybe, um, I'm thinking. Yeah, it was. Because uh, soon after, you, maybe mid-2019, because soon after you introduced me to um, to George, and then um, I was talking about George, and talking to George, I was like, yeah, we should hook up some days, and next thing, COVID hit, right? So, I mean, obviously, months are there. So, it seems like this part um, happened quickly for you, like between the Elvard and heart transplant. Yeah. But um, but like you say, you were first diagnosed in 2014, right? So a lot happened in those first five years. Um, so yeah, so I mean, and you were just, I was going to say you were just 25. It was around the same age for me too that I found out I had this year. But it's still a young age. It's still a young age. So yeah. Um, yeah, how was that like for you? Like finding out that you have this heart condition and in DCM, you know, it's, it's, it wasn't known. It's getting more and more known now. But like, what are some of the things that were running through your head, and and how did you manage that? Like, how did you deal with that? Um, first thing was death. <laughs> that was on my mind. Yes. Um, because I thought heart failure meant that oh, I'm gonna die. Yeah. I didn't know that there were there were there were different levels to heart failure. Yes. When they first told me, I was like, huh? I looked it up and I was like, huh? What was scary about death? I haven't done anything. <laughs> I don't have any um children. I don't have um, a husband or anything. I don't haven't done anything yet. Yeah travel the world. Yeah. I wanted to be able to do what I wanted to do. And I just wanted life to be different for me. Yeah. And so I would get on Google and that was the, the life expectancy for some for people that have... <laughs> I did the same. Was it what, five years? What did you see? Yeah, it was something crazy. It was a research. I didn't, I didn't even check the source. I just knew five and I was like, I'm not going to get to 30. That's too bad. But the thing was, it was it was on Google, but it was I didn't search I didn't actually search it. It was actually under under the um oh like the the, the first results and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh my god, I have five years. I have five years. That's twenty five. <laughs> so I'm gonna make it so I'm thirty, and that's it. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, and so and um, they told me I couldn't have any kids. They said that. Yeah, my heart was too weak to carry a pregnancy. Yeah, I guess so. So I was really down. I was really down and depressed about that. Yeah. More so than anything. Yeah. I have a friend who's, um, she has SCM, which is a bit different for dilated, is hypertrophic. Mm-hmm. So they told her the same thing. And, and um, mm-hmm. she didn't get any transplant. Anything. She was just, she's still on medication. But she went on to have two kids. But it was, it was one of those things, like you say, she's like, they told her she couldn't have kids. And I think she just decided to ignore it. But uh, but it, it's a big deal. I mean, we don't think about it. But at yeah. 25, I don't think that was a priority on your list. But if they tell you you cannot do it, that's that's tough. They said I was gonna have to. Um, they were gonna have to tra- terminate the pregnancy if I got pregnant. Yeah, yeah. Heart function was really low back then. It was ten to fifteen percent. That's really that's, that was that's too low. much. Yeah, you cannot. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's funny because I had at some point I had eleven percent and I was walking right. So. When you had 15%, but you don't know what's going on. So I could be on adrenaline, but I walked to the hospital and they were like, they didn't find anything. And eventually I came, I came, I went three times and eventually I came back again. I'm like, I need to see a proper person. And then they said 15%. I was like, no, sorry. They say 11%. I was like, that's not, I don't know. I don't know how I was telling, but what? So I was super it's lucky. It's so crazy. That's how the body is. Yeah. You don't know anything that's going on in the sides. Wow. So how was it for your parents, though? Like, whoever was in your life, your your partners, your friends, how was it, like, finding out that this was going on? I mean, you were part of a lot of team sports. Yeah, how do you deal with that? So my family, 
um, was more more affected in the second in the second stroke because that was really more massive than the first one. Yeah. yeah, my family was definitely they were they were there more. They were in the hospital with me more because yeah. I was in Pittsburgh in the, on the first one, so people weren't coming to see me because I wasn't I wasn't in 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 my home. Yeah, so Pittsburgh, you were you were who was there with you? My boyfriend at the time was there with me, and that was it. Yeah, okay, that's a lot, and then. Then we yeah. have to come back home. My, my parents came up there. Yeah. Where's boyfriend right now? I'm single right now. I've been single for eight years. Um, I was I was dating. Uh, me and my wife were dating at the time, so I remember I was getting sick, and then one Saturday, and I was going through things, right? But one Saturday, I was like, you know what? I have to go to the hospital because this has been too long. And she had been traveling. She kept. She's like. Come on, man! You know, like this is our weekend together and stuff. So, yeah. so yeah, we went together, and then they were taking forever before they gave me the results. So in that case, uh, so when that was happening, and they told me that you know the diagnosis, I was like, "Oh my god, you cannot stay with me!" Exactly. You know, I was I was wondering why she would be with me. You know, because um, like you said, five years, right? I was like, "This guy is dying. What are you? Yeah, you know, go live your life." <laughs> my time is limited. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And she was still focusing on, you know, making this relationship. I was just like, I wasn't, like, you're in a relationship, but your mind is not there. Like, because I'm sitting there right. thinking about death, and then I have to be, yeah. you know. So, uh, but we made it through somehow, and, like, we can think about, like, I'll go to the beach, right? I'll go to the beach, and I'll go with, in jeans. Like, I'll have jeans on and go to the beach. Who does that? Like, I wouldn't get in the water. Uh, I was just not there, you know. But she was always keeping on, and eventually, like, we went through all of that. Now we have three boys, which is, you know, but it was a journey. That's amazing. That's so sweet, too. Yeah. So it's, I mean, all that to say that it's tough, or the partners, yeah. we, I owe them a lot, but the right person will be the right person, and and then, yeah, so, anyway, that's why. Right. So yours is coming soon. I know um, some of the guys we know got married with their husband and, you know, vice versa, so... Yeah, a lot of them got married. Yeah, so. But a lot of women aren't... I haven't met a woman who who has been single. Yeah, and then got somebody and then got married. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I could only think of one person that got... Um, I got recently married. I think she has the Elbert. Um But to your point, yeah, there's a few other people that I have. Maybe they were married already. But, uh, and, I, and, and some of them, obviously, the same conversation comes about how you... How you do the Elvard? How can you do this and that with the Elvard? Uh, I guess in a safe space, but yeah. But that's scary. I don't, I don't know how your wife went through. You know, that, I, like those are things like I only found out. I only understood being like on the caregiver side when one there was a kid here, like seventy. He was seventeen at the time, so um, and it was he got a new Elvard. So and you know, at the time, I think his family couldn't travel to come next to him. So I was in the ICU with him. Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized, it took me back to like, you know, sometimes what happened in ICU, I don't know, I block it out, I'm very positive, I don't remember bad stuff. So like, it brought back everything, because I remember I kicked out everybody out of the room, I told my, nobody to come visit me, um, and things like that. I was a bear, and I, I just wanted to get better and get out of there. So this kid being there, and then me trying to get him to do the right thing, you know, drink, take your time with the soup, force yourself to eat and stuff like that. Yeah. It made me appreciate how much everybody else was going through watching me. You know, it's, it's a feeling exactly. that is, 
And that's why I totally feel for your parents and stuff. And that's something I cannot even imagine. I mean, it's been, it's tough being a patient, but I think it's even tougher being a caregiver or family or friend. Yeah, it is. We owe them a lot. But tell me about, yeah, how was it for your mom and, you know, the rest of the family around you? And what, what are some of the things that had to change along the way? My mom. <laughs> mom I love my mom to death. Thank you, mommy. <laughs> Thank you, daddy. Thank you, brothers. Thank you, family. Um, my mom was definitely affected. I don't want to say more, but I feel that she's more, she's, she's my caregiver. So I feel like she's more in tune with what, what's happening with me and what's going on with me. So I feel like for her, it's more of a, I almost died too. So I had to remember that. Um, I think for her, she's really protective of me. Yeah, my brother, my brothers too. They're really protective over me yeah. too. Um, my dad, my dad, yeah, my dad, my dad is too. That's in the girl. I cannot, I cannot talk to that, but I know it's always special. So mm-hmm. yeah, um, we'll have to get them someday. I, I want to get the family on the, on this call at some point, but we'll get them, you know, at, on another time with we'll the part two and <laughs> we'll have the family speak yeah. to you. <laughs> I did that a few times last year uh, where we had. Um, you know, people on the call and like family or caregivers on the call, and some of them were very oh, wow. intense and special. I don't know why I haven't been telling you, but yeah, I'll share I'll share the those videos if you actually have the videos, and you can also, I mean, the video and the audio experience are different, right? Like so, mm-hmm. but there was one episode. My favorite one is, I mean, they are my favorite, but there's one that was special because we were laughing all along or like throughout the thing, and then there was a lot of sad moment. There was even tears, like people were crying. And then there was a um, there was a singing, you know, one of the um, the the the, bra- the oh. but the husband in law um, sings. I saw him singing at the funeral of this person. Um, uh-huh. And then I was like, "Can you sing for us?" And it, yeah, it was a beautiful moment. Um, oh wow! So it's like a healing process. I'm hoping that you know um, they get yeah. the care that they need themselves, right? That, that yeah. they mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, for me, it was tough to learn to be to accept help. Or to ask for help, um, yeah. but what was the challenge for you in, in those relationships? Like I just, I'm, I love being independent, so, you know. So, and I don't like to complain. So I don't know what it is for you. What was tough that you had to work on? I was, I'm independent. I like being independent, doing things by myself, doing things for myself, and <laughs> and not having anybody come and tell me what to do. Yeah. So my mom and I bump heads a lot. I feel like we, I like to do my own thing, and she likes it. <laughs> She likes to come and bring me back to reality. And but hopefully that was hopefully you appreciate it as much as it's tough. Yeah, of course, of course. I appreciate it, of course. Yeah. So uh, let me close this segment with a message. I think your mom is like I, I have my mother-in-law here, I call her MVP. So she's my MVP. Because I feel like I gave her the most hard time. And, oh man. But was I, I'm assuming your mom is your MVP, but if you had a message for her, what would it be? Thank you so much for being who you are, being a good, a good mom. You've been my, my caretaker, my best friend, and I really thank you a lot. I love you. I love it. I love it. We love you, mommy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch it out a little bit. We're going to keep talking about this, but I want to kind of add some visuals to it. So I kind of snuck into your Instagram page. So there's a few, I think, nice, uh, interesting photos that people can see so they can appreciate what I've been talking about and then this first one i love it because i don't know if you can see already but um it's coming up 
on, and this is your new page, I think, because I've seen some other pictures. But this one, I love it because of the well, Flojo, of course. And then uh, this is, you're talking about your first, yeah, like first flag ball and 2013, uh, obviously a little bit soon, after, soon before the crazy incidents. But tell us about this day. So I was playing flag football for the first time in my life. Oh, I think that's so many memories. Um, I was standing outside of my house. My mom took a picture. Yeah. Yeah. And you had Flo Jo there. What, what's that about? I mean. My old track name. Yeah. My old track name was Flo Jo. Your name was Flo, Flo jo? jo? Wow. Yeah. You must have been good. Yeah, I was fast. Were you also fierce like her? Like she, yeah. she had the looks and the, all the other stuff. In the nails. Yeah. Had nails. Did you do all of that? Exactly. Yeah. You, you need to share some of those pictures with us. I want to see some of the Flo Jo I don't know if I have any pictures of that. That was that was so long ago. Yeah, no, no. Um, I can imagine. Here's this is you, right? Um, yeah. And then this is 2020. Obviously, we're not going with the order, but um, this is your Elvar, and I see which heartmate. Which which Elvar was it for you? It was heartmate three. Heartmate three. Okay, I have the same. I tell people that's the best, but they think I was biased because you could. I was talking to George, and he could only have four hours at a time in his batteries. Because he had the other one. And I'm like, I couldn't live with that. I love this one because I could put it on at seven and come back at midnight. You know? Um, yeah, you can. Actually, the battery lasts so much, lasts so long. So, how was living with this? Because I see now you have like a funny pack. Uh, it seems like you're trying to make it stylish. Um, the controller in the front part and um, the batteries in the second part. Yeah. And it actually cut holes in it. So, it would, it would fit, um, the cords would fit in there. Yeah, and I just had, um, this was at my house. I wasn't in the gym or anything like that. I was in the house um, just taking a selfie. <laughs> Love it. I mean, selfies, I tell people you cannot Photoshop selfies. <laughs> that's, that's my theory. This is the other aspect where you had to, let me, let me, let me finish here for a second. But like this one, it meant, it seemed like you had to adjust a lot, like in terms of how you wear clothes and having accessories. So from yeah. like a, and I know, and it's not even being vain. We we want to be functional. We want to also look good at the same time. Like right. when I put on my helmet, I put mine outside now because I'm I don't want to wear these things that makes me look bulky and stuff. So how was it? How was it adjusting like to the physical side of the helmet, like carrying it around, mm. extra weight? I mean, this those things were not light either. Well, the first girl who taught me how to um, put it in a fanny pack was a girl named Takila. Yeah. Um. She talk, she came to the hospital. Um. When I got my sur- LVAD surgery done, and she talked to me, and she told me the different things, trying to get me um up to speed with the different things that that um LVAD patients do. And so she told me about the fanny pack thing. So that's how I got the fanny pack. It was hard wearing clothes. As I mean, I'm a girl, so obviously, um, it's hard. It's hard for um, it's hard to actually wear. Well, not wear. It's not hard to wear, but I feel like it's it's not girly enough. To, to wear, like you had to have bags. Like, so I had a lot of fanny packs. I had fanny packs, I had backpacks. I had this one black backpack that I used to go hiking in. I put the whole entire thing in the backpack and just wear the backpack. Like guys can wear, you can wear, you can wear the Elved, it, it'll be fine. But for us, it's like, uh, <laughs> I need something more stylish, yeah. yeah. And how did you kind of keep it safe? Cause I mean, this is something that's going to your heart. So you don't want it to, um... Right. To tag and snag and get caught on things or have an infection. Um, how did you do that? How did you manage that? And who was helping you take care of it? Um, I, I was. I was doing my own um, dressing changes, um, my own 
um, I forget the thing called the drive-on cleaning and all the different stuff like that. Was she trying to do it? Actually, when I first came home, my mom had to help. My mom and my dad had to help me because I didn't have my right hand wasn't functioning. Well, when I got back home, so they had to do it, and then my nurse had to do it sometimes. Um, yeah, but after that whole period, I was doing it myself. Yeah. And did you get like any complications uh, with the elbow? Um, like any infection or anything like that? Nope. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> and no problems with all bad. I didn't have any infections. I was washing myself like I was crazy. Yeah. Had the gloves on, the mask, the hat thing. Yeah. Had it all on. That's great. Um, and I mean, last thing here, you look like you were still fit, like active, and you mentioned hiking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How important was that, that you could still do those things? Obviously, it might have taken a while to get there. But, um, and why, was it any helpful to you, like in that journey, in that period between the Elvar and then the, the transplant? Um, yeah, I feel like it was. I feel like it built me to be who I am today. I feel like without that whole experience, I wouldn't have been who I am right now. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be here. Yeah. Um, what was the other question? Because you were very active and then obviously the LVAD allows you to gain some of the activity, but, but how much important was it? Like basically what did it mean to you to be able to still do hiking and were you social at the time? Were you able to like go hiking and do things with other people? Yeah, it was everything to me. I, Fitness is something that I, I take pride in, in doing. I love working out. I love working my muscles. I love looking great and everything like that. I just, I love fitness. Fitness is something that's very near and dear to my heart. I love fitness. I love nutrition. I love all the stuff that comes in, comes with it. Yeah. So I feel like um, that was definitely very important to me. It's great that you're maintaining it. I think it's the biggest, uh, you know, even dealing with stress, I feel like that's the best way. And you already had such a solid foundation um, right. that it was much easier to go. I mean, look at this. Look at, um, like, what is it? What do they call you guys? Because I know we have, like, um, Iron Man and those. Like, this is this is elite. So this this is bodybuilding. Yes. But so there's levels. There's levels. Yeah. So versus bikini, bikini is they have um, less muscle, less less muscle showing. They have figure. This is what this is. Figure it doesn't have that much. It has a little more muscle than bikini, and they have physique, which is more muscle. Yeah. And they have bodybuilding, which is all muscles, nothing but muscle, nothing but muscles dripping everywhere. So then this is my first show. Um, so horrible. <laughs> what, is it, what do you mean horrible? I mean, to us, this is like. <laughs> I mean, I, you couldn't even dream of this. Why are you saying Hollywood? What's up? I wasn't de defined yet. Yeah, this is my first first ever show. Yeah, but I didn't know I didn't know how to pose right. I wasn't posing right at all. It's I love the attitude though. Like you had on yourself, it's like this was nothing. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I love this. So yeah, this picture was intriguing. Um, because you're like, are these like donuts or something? Um, yes, so in Pittsburgh, there's this really good donut place. I don't remember the name of it. There's a really good donut place in Pittsburgh that has really good donuts. And I was actually, it was after I had the stroke. Yeah. Um, I think it was the day, day two or day three, I was in the hospital. And my friend brought it, brought me some. Oh, my God. Did it, did it let, you, let you have it? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, no, this is special. And, and I think it was, um, it's like comfort, right? So it's probably... The, the last medication you needed to recover at the moment, but uh, how long, yeah. how many days did it take you to finish this? I don't think I, I don't even think I finished it. 
because so I was dieting. So yeah. I had to do a show. So I was dieting. I was so I was dieting for for months. So this is the first um, sweet thing, oh the first food I actually had. So when I had the show, I wasn't allowed to eat anything. Yeah. So this was actually the first food that I had. Oh my god! You went through such changes, and look at you killing it here. Wait, this is you. <laughs> you look different. Yeah. Yeah, it's me. It must be the angle, but you look different. And then look at this, like. <laughs> I have so much respect. Okay, so is this one a little bit better than before? Like uh, a little, yeah. It was, it was better. I'm just joking. <laughs> so this is when I was, I was actually um, training for my um, the national show in Pittsburgh. Yeah, that was what I was posing for. So since you got back, like the first time you got back to Baltimore, have you gone to Pittsburgh again? Um, have you gone back to Pittsburgh? Like, are you, wait, are you living in Baltimore now or Pittsburgh? No, I live. I live in. I lived in Maryland, but the show was in Pittsburgh. Oh, okay. That's why I was in Pittsburgh. Yeah, but do you get to go back? Have you? Have you, have you were you able to go back to Pittsburgh? Just so I don't know. I'm assuming you had friends there or something. Um, no, I might just go in Pittsburgh, but I feel like I didn't. I don't go up there for. I don't really like Pittsburgh like that. This is. I like this one, but mostly for the caption. Because so when I when I go to my doctor, I always take selfies, right? And I always take selfies with them. Like I mean, I have like at some point I was like, let me stop you, but I have like. Hundreds of selfies <laughs> with everybody. Sometimes even like staff members and and the, so cool. the handyman. Yeah. So it's like, of course, you think it's corny, but I'm like, this is this. Is, I don't know. It's my journey. No, it's not. Yeah. It's not corny at all. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't think about it. Like it's when I start to overthinking. I'm like, ah, but no, they don't mind either. Like one of the doctor was got on the step so he can be taller. So, um, but this is cool. I mean, yeah, you're really tall, aren't you? Hmm. Oh yeah, really no, tall, aren't you? I'm a giant. I'm a giant. I tell I tell people yeah. when you're six, you are tall. When you are my height, you're a giant. Right. But that's why you introduced me to uh, to Borg because he's also tall. And then I saw the, the picture of his brother, and his, bro- his brother is taller than him. But yeah, let me let me I'll, I'll post the memory line in a bit. Just wanted to do one two more. So this was yeah, you went through so many surgery, but then how you smile at the hospital? Like how you able to keep the smile? And you truly like just escape death. Like how 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 do you pull that up? I don't know. My heart is over joy. Yeah, I'm, I'm joyful all the time. D- did you go through moments where you were like mentally? Um, I think I catch you. Sorry. Um, no, I'm saying I caught you. I'm sorry about that. Um, did you go through moments where you were you were like not able to smile, like where you were down or maybe depressed or like struggling uh, in that part? And, and how do you deal with that? When I had the oved. Um, I was always I was always down. I, 2019 was the year of tears. That's what I call it, the year of tears. Yeah. I was crying every day. I don't know where, didn't matter where I was. I was always crying. Yeah. Because I didn't think I felt, I felt like I didn't think that I would get to where I am today. I think that's the main reason why I was. You were both. You were like desperate. Like you were feeling desperate. Not desperate. I was feeling depressed. Yeah. More and, and how do you manage that? Like, how did you come out of the? Let's say, come out of that fight. Um, I had a ther- I had a, ther- a therapist, yeah. and she told me that um, that it's remarkable. I started, started sharing my story. Actually, um, a lot of people feel that my story is is one of of overcoming, yeah, of doing different things like that. And and I also feel that I wasn't myself, so I didn't have my hair. I had to cut all my hair off. Mm. So I was I was a baldy. I was walking around with this this bag, this L bag, and then a bag on my backpack. Yeah. And I just, I just didn't feel I didn't feel pretty anymore. My body looked like I lost thirty pounds. So I lost everything. Yeah. 
So I was walking around looking like a, a boy. Um, yeah, I just feel like I was in a, a dark, dark place that's, that's, in those days. That makes sense. And, and you say you, see, you saw a therapist. Um, are you still seeing a therapist or you just like you just pause it for now? But I see a therapist. You see, okay, yeah. Often. Yeah, forever. Forever. Um, um, <laughs> yeah, I feel like having a therapist is not anything. It doesn't mean anything's wrong with yeah. you. It means that... Were you seeing a therapist before, like before you got sick, or is it after you got sick? No, after I got, after I got sick. That, that's, I mean, all that is, is definitely life-changing. Yeah. For, especially for a young person, it's definitely life-changing. Yeah. Your life is just, definitely just changes, and you have to go through and live your life regular person and you're not regular. Uh, um, I'm, I'm also asking that because I have, um, I, I'm seeing a therapist. Uh, like, sometimes we see each other weekly, you know, we check the frequency every other week or monthly, but uh, but your point, yeah, and, and it, it's the elevator is like a, that the journey is like a permanent stressor. Like you deal with, like you said, you deal with so many things. Exactly. Um, and for me, what I, I found it very that was basically the most important part of my journey, like making sure I had the mental care, mental health care sub, uh, that supported because like it's physically, I mean, it was tough. Like you said, you lose weight and you, you, you don't like the look, mm-hmm. but the toughest for me was the mental part. So I was just glad that that happened. Matter of fact, Elvet is, is 90% mental. <laughs> I like that. Literally 90% men- mental. I like that. And 10% Ninety percent mentor, I love that. I think that's a yeah. very important. Because um, my my team will say you need a support system, you need, but like to me it was, I'm I'm definitely quoting that ninety percent mentor. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I mean, it's a lot of it's a lot of work. It's a lot of like those times I wake up in the morning, I just didn't want to do anything. Yeah. I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to plug my batteries up. Yeah. To the charger and. I don't feel like doing it today. I, I used to say, I don't feel like doing it today. Yeah, yeah. I, I used to tell my wife, at some point I told my actually everybody, my, well, my wife and my therapist, I'm like, I'll leave because I have to leave, right? Like you have obligation, you have to do this and that. But life life had no flavor, you know? It was like, I was just here. Yeah. You know? And, yeah. And I don't want to go anywhere, of course, because I cannot afford that, but I was just here. So I, I saw this and you mentioned... And I wanted to know how much like this level of spirituality or maybe um, even a religion playing in your journey. Um, you say you owe God everything. Tell us about that. I do. God has brought me through not one, but two strokes. Yeah. He brought me through bad surgery, brought me through heart transplant, and everything else that I've been through in my life. Yes. God was there. Yeah. So I feel like everything that I've been through, everything that I do, should be to God's glory because he's given me so much to be grateful for. And I feel like I've grown closer to to God and actually have more of a more of a relationship with him. Yeah. Um because of my the experience that I went through and she he's everything. He's everything. And I owe him my life. I love that. I appreciate that. I think and um the, I was gonna ask you about well the, I had this question but you mentioned you already kind of touched on it like you have a closer relationship with God now. Um, mm-hmm. has your image of God changed between, like, throughout this journey? Like, cause, uh, in my case, I know at some point I was, I was dad when I was dad with, I was like, this God is not telling me anything. But, um, <laughs> but like, I had to talk to, you know, people and talk to the chaplain and, and, and what happened is literally, she's like, your image of God is different now. So you have to like, mm-hmm. look at it. So that was my kind of, my, 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 
must switch, right? But yours could be maybe a different transition, a different journey. So how was it like a before after or some transformation along the way um, that you felt? Um, so I've always been been saved since I've been young. I've always been um, in the church um, around God. But I feel like the thing that's changed is my faith. It's actually grown yeah. um, since I've been sick. Every morning I um, sit with God and I talk to him and I meditate and I do devotional um, with him. And it, it, feels, it just feels different. I feel like I it's what it's called, spiritual growth is what it's called. Yeah. Um, I feel definitely like I've just, I've just, I've morphed. I don't know if that's the right thing to say, the right word to use. It's a word that God is telling you right now, so that's it. Yeah, it's just, it's just wonderful. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm, I'm so grateful for everything that he's done for me. And yeah, he's just beyond words. Um, I mean, we can talk forever, but I'm going to find a way to wrap this up at some point and also let you go. So thanks for being a little bit more. But um, I wanted to touch on a few things. Uh, right now, How's what is life like? You know, how you live in life? Um, what is what's next? You know, what should be looking out for? Uh, what are you? I mean, you probably don't like to share, but what are you? What are you able to share with us? What should people be looking out for and, and stuff like? Oh um, yeah, sure. Um, so I'm writing a book um, right now, but it's not gonna be ready anytime soon. Um, <laughs> um, I'm baking. I bake. I have a business called Desserts by Live, so I'm doing that. Um, I want to start. So, how do people order from, from you? How do we place an order? They'll see um, dessertsbylive.com. Okay. You can place the order there. You have, to de- you have to deliver in Boston to me. I don't know how, but we'll have to figure that out. You have to deliver to us in Boston. Oh, yeah. We'll have to figure that part out. Maybe we'll come get it. <laughs> yeah, come. Yeah, come. Come. <laughs> Bring the babies and your wife with you. No, we definitely we have a DC trip plan, so I'll definitely make sure. Oh yeah. Yeah, so we'll come back. So you you're baking, uh you're working on a book, what else? Um, so I wanna start a um fitness blog website thing that has recipes, it has um nutritious stuff, exercises, meal plans, yeah. all the different stuff. And how's that coming? I'm talking to you now as a business person now, because there's, there's going to be collaboration. Oh, no, it's fine. I don't, I don't mind. And I'm doing my personal training certification again. So now I'm going to be personal training again. And um, that's, that's probably not it. I'm always doing something. So I feel like uh, I want to start my own YouTube channel, doing exercises, different um, things for the legs, for the arms, the back. So would all of this be like integrated or will it be separate? Like, because like you have the baking, will it be part of your nutrition planning or will it be separate? No, it's going to be separate. Stay yeah. over there. Um, yeah, it's going to be separate because I feel like everything, I'm trying to talk fitness and exercising. I can be selling cakes and donuts and desserts while, <laughs> while I'm doing that. We have healthy desserts. Well, yeah. Mm, yeah, I don't, I don't like healthy desserts. I feel like that's, it's actually, it's the whole purpose of having desserts. So how do you balance that? Like, so are you going to be talking to people about how to balance, you know, those? Yeah, I feel like yeah. the balance, you always have, you always have cake. It's the one we're having cake. You can't go and eat a whole entire, you can't buy slices of the cake. Yeah. Yeah, so I feel like there's definitely a balance, um, a balance with that whole, that whole thing. Yeah. Um, 
I'm excited. I think we, I wanna, I'm definitely going to follow up some of those things you mentioned uh, because with the foundation here, we are we starting a program um, about um, hypertension um, screening and control. Uh, and a big part of that, obviously, like you mentioned, is nutrition and um, some of the other stuff, um, physical activity. And uh, we've been trying to part- we partner with local folks, people, um, organizations. We also use platforms online where um, basically one of our partners in, in France is trying to be the Netflix of wellness, right? So they have content providers. and come- I mean, you have it on YouTube too, but like this is one place you can go. Uh, and we also trying to connect our community to those things. So that's like one idea. I'm like, I need, we need to talk about that. But um, I, I love sweet stuff. I'll, I'll travel to Baltimore for cake, trust me. I love sweets too, but I feel like I have cake. I can have cookies, just yeah. not cookies. <laughs> I used to eat once a I'll, I'll make. I'll force myself and I only eat once a week. Like So my weekend, you know, yeah. it's like mm-hmm. my, my my support day. And I try um, my my rest day, I guess, and I wouldn't have anything at home. So I'll have to go outside and go get it. Um, right. Yeah. I'm a definitely a sweets person. I love, well, I can't, I like candy more than anything. Yeah. What's your favorite <laughs> candy? More than cookies and cakes and different things like that. I don't, I don't like cake that much. I feel like cake is something that I don't, I don't eat birthday cakes when they do birthday cakes. I, I don't do um, cookies. In my cookies, I, I, I eat them to taste them, but I feel like I you know, we have a real desire, but candy, we got fruity candy. Oh yeah, bring it on! <laughs> I love it. I'm just going through your like some of your reels, and it's just amazing. Um, yeah, I'm gonna try this and see if I survive. Uh, yeah, it's not it's not hard. Yeah, you say so. <laughs> yeah, I was a personal tra- I was a personal trainer before I started doing bodybuilding competitions. Yeah. So I was training before. So I'm I'm. Different. I make a note to myself. Um, one of my goals is, uh, you know, I'm still on the list. So at some point, I'm gonna get a. I'm active now, fairly active. I do a bit of stuff, but yeah. I, after my transplant, I'm definitely gonna go get like personal trainer. So you're definitely on my list, um, and then we gotta make it happen. Um, yeah, of course. teases me. She's like, you you need to be ready for your a GQ photo shoot. So exactly, um, definitely on the list after the transplant. So be ready. Make, keep the spot open for me. I will definitely, of course. So we have some last pictures here before I switch Instagram off. I think this one is a recent one, right? My this first one was, trip. says July. So my first trip was the previous picture. My first international trip. Oh yeah. Oh, why did I close that? And where did you where was that? I'll, I'll get to it now. Turks and Caicos. Okay, okay. Let me go to that and come back. Um because the other thing I noticed is there's only two kind of guests on your page. Two other people that you you ever posted on your page. Um, um, other people. I saw um, Black Panther. You know, I mean, there's interviews, uh, but I saw Black Panther at um, Chadwick Boseman, and I also saw Kamala Harris. Oh, yes, yes. And the judge now. But I come back to that. Um, yeah, this one. This one is the one you were out. Yes, I was in Turks and Caicos. In the nice. Picture. Yeah, about last night. We won't ask. How was it? How did it feel to be outside for the first time? I didn't do anything while I was there. I just sat on the beach. Yeah, I mean, that's a big deal. Did you get in the water? Yeah, yes. I went in the water. It was so great. Yeah. 
I, I got into the water with my headband one time. Um, I think yeah. everyone was scared that. So, yeah, no, I didn't swim, but I was all the way to my to my waist, you know. Um, and my kids, yeah. The first time I went, I took my shower bag with me. I just put it inside the shower bag, and yeah. I was sitting on the, by the water. <laughs> me, <Was> my mom. <laughs> my mom was gonna have a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was last year. How was your mom? <laughs> Did you that? She was so annoyed. She was so, she was so mad. I'm just going right here. You're standing right next to me. Yeah, but you know, you cannot understand why she's scared. You're going to fall into the water. I'm like, how am I going to fall into the water? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just stop it out there. What about this guy? What did he mean to you? Um, mm-hmm. Our own Black Panther. Like, mm-hmm. what, what's, what's, yeah, tell us about him. What's special about him? Like, to you, you know? So, when he got, well, I didn't really know he was sick, but everybody kept saying, oh, he looks so sick at him. He looks so sick. He looks like he's going through something. He looks so, or, um, I actually wrote, wrote um, a blog, a blog piece on this, on this topic. He looks so sick. And he, he was like, oh, what's wrong with him? He doesn't look good. And so I brought me back to when I was sick and I was in the hospital and I was so sick. I didn't look, look like myself. I just, I saw, I just saw myself in, in him. Yeah. I actually saw being sick. Being helpless, being going through different things like that, losing weight, losing everything. I just actually, I just actually felt the that connection with him. Yeah, it's for me it was interesting because people were just calling me. <laughs> like, yeah, they were just calling me, and and yeah, it made me. I felt for him, um, mm-hmm. and I felt for his family. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, especially his family. And then the fact that it, it didn't. Like it's because they had it for years, right? So he didn't share it yeah, with anybody else. Anybody. And I related so much to that because I was like, yeah. you just want to be seen as a normal person. You just want to live, right? Right. Um, but his losses was big, so it was, I mean, mm-hmm. no one can replace him. But then I saw um, people don't know anything about being being sick. The, the other thing is now being sick is being more visible because other part a lot of people are just ignorant; they don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so now, hopefully, at least the positive part is that people get to appreciate and keep their mouth shut for a little bit. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Please. And this is our vice president. Vice president of the United States of America. The real boss, right? Um, how was this this moment for you? Like, Because, um, you know, obviously, being a person of color is special, but mm-hmm. also being a, a, a fierce woman, like, would, yeah. didn't compromise, right? Like, she's... Right. So how was that? Like, yeah, how did that mean to you to have a um, elected? Or yeah, well, it was great when I circled her name on, on the uh, paper. It was it was a great moment. <laughs> um, yeah, it was definitely great. I, I feel because my family is Dominican and Ghanaian. Yeah, that I just felt the whole little connection thing. Her father was Jamaican. Her mom was um, Indian. Yeah. I felt like it was that little that two thing like I like 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 for me, yeah. and just having somebody who's looks like me up there representing the United States of America as vice president is just something that's so special to me. Yeah, you sound like many of those young girls that were well younger girls that were talking about too. So that's special. Yeah. Um, um, and then to your point, like being children of immigrants and all they're going through. Um, and being represented is just amazing. So mm-hmm. yeah, um, I'm, I'm super. Gr- we we keep joking 
and we're not joking, but every time we do something, my wife goes in and is like, Joe, we did it, Joe. <laughs> it's like, we did it, Joe. Uh, so it, it, it's special. Obviously, you know, it, there's always going to be negativity, but um, yeah. uh, we go with that. I said it was the last one, but I, there's one I forgot. This is my last, last, I promise, last, last. Okay. And then we'll switch over. You say your heart is in Africa. I want to hear about this one. Where was this and 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 what was happening here? And Yeah, 2017. Well, that's when it was posted, but... My grandfather passed away in 26... At the end of 2016, in January of 20... What was it? 2017. Um, yeah. We went back to Ghana and uh, buried him. Yeah. Uh, Ghana is just a wonderful place. <laughs> when, you, when you get off the plane, it's like you smell this... this it has this smell. Yeah. It's, it's a great smell when you have, when you have the plane. It smells, like, it smells like smoke. And um, and the air is just thick. Yeah. Just know you've made it to Africa. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Like, I love... I love Ghana. I, How often have you been there? I've been there three times. When is it next time? I haven't, I haven't been um, recently because of the COVID. Um, they don't have like real treatment there for people who get COVID, so I can't go go and sit in Ghana. My mom yeah. went there for a month. My mom, so my mom is there right now. My brother's there. They left you behind. That's not fair. You should stay here together and suffer. Exactly. Yeah, but I feel like she really deserved the trip. She's been doing everything for me. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So she deserved to go. So how's it being an African here? And you have such strong heritage because you say Dominican, right? So yeah. how does that play in who you are and in being in America and, and the you know, times that we're living in too, right? right. It, it's a kind of a mix. How's that? Yeah, like how do you leave that in your skin and your mind? And your, you know, yeah. Body? So first of all, people don't think I'm, I'm Ghanaian. So I'm... <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 you have to say who don't think that. Or, the Ghanaians don't think you are Ghanaian. Yeah, and Dominicans don't think you're Dominican because I, I don't look. I don't look, even though there there are Ghanaians that are way louder than I am. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so I had to fight with that, but I feel like the music. I love the music. I love actually both music. I love both. I, do, I can dance to salsa. Yeah, I can dance to African music. Um, I feel a close connection to Ghana though. It's, I love it. I think I like the spirit. I like what you said in between, mm-hmm. between being between different countries and stuff, and, yeah. and not being. So my story is a bit similar. My dad is from Senegal. My mom is from Mali. Those are neighboring oh, countries. Wow. Yeah. So they they literally this, to me they're the same. But if you go there, you're from there, vice versa. My uncle teased me, and then I mostly grew up in South Africa. So um, my accent is all. Yeah, I was there for like eleven years. Like I studied there. And I worked there, and that's why, I, that's why I got sick the first time. And my first time was born. It, like a big part of my life was there. Oh, but what, what part? Uh, I was in Pretoria. Uh, that's why I studied, and I worked in Joburg. Mm-hmm. But I traveled across the country, like for work and stuff like that. So my gosh, Cape Town, South Africa. Yeah, I would live there. <laughs> I would definitely go live there if I could. It's beautiful. You should yeah. go. I mean, they have good heart doctors. The first surgery was done there. Exactly. We put on a list. So tell us about the list. What's what's on the bucket list now? What because I know traveling is a big part. So what 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 countries are on the list? Yeah. And you have to put Senegal there because Senegal will. Yeah, my, my cousin will make actually, you forget about Ghana. Yeah, Senegal, Senegal, my cousin actually spent some time in Senegal for a summer. So that's yeah. on my list. Um, so I've already, I've already been there. 
Greece is on my list. Thailand, Bali is on my list. Paris, London, of course. Italy is definitely on my list. Um, I have like 50 countries on my list. <laughs> Great. I mean, you have a lot to do. You have a lot to do and yeah, and it's going to happen fast. So, mm-hmm. yeah, make sure you tell us about those trips. Let's make sure we follow it. But I'm super excited. I always tell a lot of people that, are, you know, we're going to have a follow-up. So we're going to have another one of these. Yeah. And I might have to have your mom in there. But thank you so much for this moment. Uh, I'll let you have the last few words. Um, what are some of, like, any last comment you had for anybody that might be listening to this? And then maybe, yeah, what, what message you will have for, for, for us? Always think positive. Let negative thoughts out of your head. Always think positive. Um, always take care of yourself, yourself first. Um, take care of your mental health. If you need help with anything, see a, mess with a therapist or somebody you can talk to. to see a therapist. Don't be ashamed about any of any having any mental breakdowns or anything like that. And just live, live, live your life. Live life to the fullest. Live life because it's a gift. And you should think of it as a gift every day. You wake up in the morning. Um, I forgot about this part. Your blog, I don't see it anymore. So I didn't want to do it anymore because it wasn't really picking up traction where I wanted it to. So you don't know who's reading it. <laughs> you never know who's reading it. <laughs> That's true. But I'm moving it over to um the fit the um fitness blog. Okay. Okay. So we'll see get it. We'll see get it at some point. Yeah, no, um, I'm saying it because I also I went through a phase where I don't post at all and talk about that stuff. Yeah. And but trust me, you never know who's reading it. Exactly, that's very true. Yeah. So that's okay. hopefully we bring it back soon and the fans are waiting. So I'll speak for the fans. We want it back. Exactly. But thank you so much, uh, Miss Liv, Olivia Rose. Uh, this was a lot of fun. I'm even more excited to come talk to you again. And I want to talk to your mom. I want to hear her side of the story. Uh, so oh. we'll make that happen. But thank you so much. Okay, you're welcome. We are reminded that we are all connected through our experiences of friends, family, and community. We thank our guests for your generosity of heart looking beyond your sorrows to share your journeys and inspire others. And thank you for listening to this episode. We hope it did your heart good. Visit us online for more resources at heartofagiant.org.